You are listening to the MZBC Students Greenhouse Podcast. For more information about Mount Zion Baptist Church, go to mzbc.net slash students or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MZBC Students. Chapter 5. Um, once again, I'm a little sick, so uh, if I make any kind of weird sounds or choke or something, don't panic. I'll be all right. Um, so you're heading to Luke chapter 5 in your Bibles, and then uh, as, as you're doing that, um, uh, that, that game we just played, or game, it's not really a game, but you guys sitting around talking about your stories and the beginnings of your stories. All those stories that you told were, were just that, they were just the beginnings. There's a whole lot of other things you could have told about the trajectory of, of, of occurrences that happened after that beginning point. A lot came after what, the, what you told, unless you broke the rules and told the whole story. Like, but, but the way that every good story has a beginning, right? Every good story has, has a beginning to it. But only the, only the bad stories fall flat after the beginning. Every good story has to have a beginning, but only the bad stories are the ones that fall flat after the beginning. Like Jessica and I, um, Jessica and I have a, I mean, we've been dating, uh, what year is it? Um, okay, 16 years, 16 and a half years, which is forever. Like, raise your hand if you're not 16 and a half years old. Yeah, I've been dating longer than you've been alive. Um, that one person. We don't count the other people, all right? Like, like and there's, there's a story about the way that Jessica and I began dating, and it's tumultuous. It's full of drama and intrigue. And heroism, right? But, and, and it, it is, it really is. I mean, it, they should make a movie about it. It would be called like The Notebook Times Four or something. It'd be amazing. Um, it involves elementary school parking lots, uh, multiple elementary school parking lots, because that's the only place could, we could have a conversation for whatever reason, and a lot of Krispy Kreme parking lot time. We had all of our fights in Krispy Kreme parking lot. I don't really know why, but that's where we, that's where we did that, right under the Krispy Kreme sign. It's hot now, and we're like, it's about to be fiery up in here, right? And so well, there's, there's a story about the way that our relationship began. But thankfully, it's not the whole story. Like some of y'all, I mean, maybe if you dated around a little bit, like you've got, some, you've got some relationships where there was a beginning, and it has a good story, and then it fell flat almost immediately, and there was no more story. For Jessica and I, there's a good story about how it began. I mean, there's so much more that came next. For me, and for, for me and for you, those of us in the room who are Christians, we, we have a story that began with God at some point in the past where we came to a point where we came, we came to understand who Jesus was and we trusted our life to him. And it began, it began a story of our relationship with God. And, 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 and however that transpired for you, that was a beginning, but it isn't the full story. I think sometimes as, as Christians, we... We see our relationship with God as a, as a beginning point. And it's just that, a point in time. And we fail to realize that that's just the beginning of the story that God wants to write in your life. And because of that, we stay there. We stay at the beginning and we never get to see the full picture. We never progress. We just have a moment. And Luke chapter 5 is, is, is a story of three young men's, um, the beginning of their God story. And in their story, as we go through it, you're going to see the way that their story begins with God and the way that this happens. And it's not going to be the same as the way your story with God began. If you're, not, if you're not a Christian in the room, like, you're not even quite there yet. The story is, 
and you're, you're, you're before the point when you've even trusted Jesus. You're still not sure if you're ever going to trust Jesus. Like, you're, you're still trying to figure this out, and that's where you are in your story. But for those of us who became Christians, we have this starting point. This is these guys' starting point. And in this story, we're also going to see a hint that there's so much more to come. All right, so Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, it says this, that uh, there's this one occasion when there was this crowd that was pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God while he was standing by this lake. Uh, I I don't know how to say the name of that, Genesaret. I don't know how to say that. All right, so um, this is is the next thing. Last week we were in uh, Luke chapter 4, and uh, Jesus was in Capernaum, and he he was teaching in the synagogue, and there was this whole demon thing, and then he went to lunch at this guy's named Simon's house, and his mother-in-law had a fever, and Jesus like, told a fever to get out, and it did because he's Jesus. And, and then, like, they wanted, then they tried to keep him there, like they're going to keep him as their pet or something. They're going to trap him there. And then, so that, that was in this, this city called Capernaum, and then just, just down the road, basically, he's left, and he's kind of made his way, and he's over by this lake. So it has not, no, not much time has transpired at all. He's just gotten down the, down the road just a ways, and now he's over here. And remember from last week, it said that when he started doing these things, the word, the, 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 the rumor of, of what he was doing was spreading everywhere. And more and more people were coming to hear, and that's what happened. So a little bit of time has passed, and more and more people have made the journey over to, to, see, the, to see the show. I want to see Jesus talk to a fever. That sounds awesome. I want to, I'm going to come see that. And so all these people have showed up this day to, to hear him speak, to see what he would do. There's so many people, in fact, that, that Jesus ends up getting pushed back against the shore. Like, it's kind of the, the way it's, it's like a hillside that kind of ends up on, on the shore of this, this lake. And, and Jesus has been met by this crowd, basically, and they're pushing in on him. And they're, they're kind of pushing and pushing, and he's, he's like wanting to touch him, wanting to see him. And he's getting back up into the water. Like, water's starting to get up on his sandals. And, like, he's like, guys, listen, like, I, I, can't, I can only go back so far. We're all going to go swimming together. It's going to be a pool party. I don't, like, we, we, can only, we can only go back so far here, right? And so it says in, in, in verse 2 that he, he looks over and he sees two boats. And he has an idea. He looks over and he sees two boats, and one of them was Simon's. He recognizes him. This is the guy he ate lunch at his house. This is the guy with the mother-in-law with the fever. He's like, oh, yeah, I know you. What's up? Can I use your boat? <laughs> and so there's these two boats. One of them is Simon's, and he asked to, asked to get in and, and put out a little from the land. And it says that he sat down there, and he taught the people from the boat. So Simon now is, is, has seen him cast out a demon. He's seen him heal his mother-in-law. And now he's going to hear him speak for the second time. Heard him the other week before we invited him home, home for lunch. And now this is going to be the second time that Simon's sitting here hearing Jesus speak. And in verse 4, um, something happens. If you can, if you can imagine this, this thus far, like we've got this wide-angle movie shot. Where there's this, this wide-angle picture, and it shows this huge crowd that's kind of appeared on this hillside, and Jesus has been pushed back, and, and so now he's on the boat, and, and he's, he's teaching, and everybody across the hillside, everybody's, everybody's listening and engaged. And I can just imagine that kind of like holy silence of anticipation as people are trying to listen to Jesus, this big wide-angle shot. And then all of a sudden, the camera zooms in tight, zooms in close. Where the, the crowd isn't even a part of the picture anymore, and the other boat's not a part of the picture for a bit, and it's just this one boat, Simon's boat, and Jesus is there. He's finished teaching, and he turns to Simon in verse 4, and he says, Hey, uh, put, put out into the deep water and, and, and let down your nets for a catch. 
That seems kind of a commonplace thing for us. It doesn't seem that crazy that there were these, some guys, they were over here and they were, they were cleaning their nets. And so Jesus got one of them out in the boat and he's like, let's go fishing, right? That's not what's, that's not what's going on here. See, this is, this is a really interesting moment where, where Jesus is, is asking uh, Simon to do something really weird. Really weird. Like, so these, these nets, they're not just normal nets. These are going to be trammel nets. And I didn't know what this meant. I'm not a fisherman, nor a net fisherman, or any variety of fishermen. All right? I eat fish on fish tacos. It's the best. All right? So, but a trammel net is, is, is the kind of net they would have had. And so they fish at night, and then you use trammel nets at night because trammel nets are these, these huge linen nets. It's, it's, made, it's basically a sheet. It's a huge linen sheet. So just imagine this. At night, if you throw a huge linen sheet in the water, what's it look like? If it's dark outside and there's a white sheet laying in the water, all of a sudden it turns dark. If you're underwater and there's a white sheet, there's no light reflecting off of it, so it turns dark. So white trammel net sheets work great at night. Can fish see a bright white sheet laid in the water in the daytime? Yeah, of course they can. So you can't use these, these bright white linen sheets in, in the daytime to catch fish because the fish can see it and they just won't come anywhere near it. And you also don't do it out in deep water because these things are only so long. They have weights on them and it has to hit the bottom. So you have to do it kind of up in the shallows where you drop these things in the, at nighttime where the fish can't see it. You drop it on, on kind of shallow water where the, net would, the weight would take it down to the bottom and then you scoop them up like that. They can't escape. If you do it in deep water, like they just swim out the bottom of it. So Jesus is, as said, Jesus is acting like he's the worst fisherman ever. But everybody would have known this. Everybody would have known that you can't use trammel nets in the daytime. And you certainly don't use trammel nets way out in the deep water. Everybody knows this, Jesus. Like, this is, we're just, we're sea people. And so he says, why, why don't we do this? I see this moment here where, where the camera zooms in close on Jesus and Simon, right, at, right in their faces. And, and Jesus asks Simon to do this really weird crazy, like uncomfortable, almost embarrassing thing. And you can, you can kind of see some hesitation on, on Simon's face. He's just like, I, <laughs> I saw you cast the demon out. I had you over for lunch. You healed my mother-in-law. I've heard you speak twice. Uh, there's this moment, right, where, where Jesus is, is asking, is, is something of Simon, is, is, is calling him to something, and, and it's, it's uncomfortable, and there's a little, there's some tension there. God does this with us with, with, when there's these moments where, you know, sometimes we feel like we're a group of believers together. Like when Greenhouse, when we're worshiping together, sometimes you feel like you're a part of a whole and it feels powerful like that. And other times it feels like it's just you. Sometimes when, when you're sitting there and if you, if you do spend time with God on a daily basis and it's just you and him and it feels like God's attention has zoomed in just on you. This is one of these moments for Simon where it's just zoomed in. It's just him and the Messiah, but he doesn't quite know that yet. But it's, it's just them. And then God's asking something strange of Simon. Has he ever, has it ever been like that for you where you felt like God is pulling you towards something that you kind of feel a little bit uncomfortable with, maybe a little bit nervous about it? This, does it feel, is this, is it, this can't be possibly what he's calling me to do. Surely he doesn't want me to talk to them. Like, surely, like, there's have one of those moments. Simon's having one of those moments where it's just him and God, and there's this kind of, this, this weird thing that, that Jesus is asking him to do. And in verse 5, Simon answers him. He finally answers, and he says, uh, Master, we, we already toiled all night, you know, nighttime with the trammel nets. We already toiled all night. We already did this. 
we didn't get anything. But, but at, at your word, I'll let down the nets. See, Simon, he's, he's seen the miracles, and he's heard the teaching, and, and what he's seen and heard has enabled him to, to trust Jesus just enough to be open-minded. Think about this. He's seen, he's seen Jesus do some crazy stuff, he's heard him teach twice, and he's, he's, he's got just enough trust in this Jesus to be open-minded to something that seems a little audacious. He's got just enough trust to be open-minded. If you came in here tonight, and, and you're not a Christian, there's never been a moment where you've, like, you've come to really believe and know that Jesus was more than just a character in a book, that he was a living person, the very son of God, that who, who laid down his life in your place. If you've never had this moment where you've believed that so much that you trusted your life and your eternity on his act on the cross, where he, he died on that cross for you, if you've never had that moment where you've trusted that with everything, then you're not a Christian, and that's okay. I want you to know if you're not a Christian in the room, then we're, we're, just, we're happy you're here, man. We're, we love you. Way to go. Good job. Like, it, we're, we're, not, we're not weirded out that you're here. We're excited that you're here. But if you came in, then, then there's, there's uh, your story is probably like a lot of teenagers' stories that I hear, where when they, they first come in, they, they come into contact with Christianity, they come into contact with Christians, and we start talking about this Jesus who lived 2,000 years ago and who bled and died on a cross intentionally for you so that his work on the cross, his sacrifice would pay for all your mistakes, that you could be forgiven forever. They come in, they hear that, and they think, mm-mm, mm-mm, I think you guys are weird. Like, and, and that's okay. And I have the conversations with teenagers who are like, I, I, I feel like you guys, do you actually believe this? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, we do. We don't just believe it. We know it. Like, it's, it's, who, it's everything we are. Like, yep. Yeah, we're kind of weird. Yep. And there's, there's, there's kind of a closed-mindedness to it where it's like, I, I, I like hanging out with you all. You all seem nice, and I like your band, and, and I can tolerate the message time. Every once in a while, you're funny, so I'm, I'm going to come. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like letting this penetrate. I'm not going like to actually consider this because you guys are silly. I'm not actually going to consider this. Simon's here. He's, he's seen enough, and he's heard enough to at least consider it have a little bit of an open mind to it. Because what happens with teenagers when you start coming to Greenhouse, you start interacting with the Word of God, and you, you're with your small group leaders, and they're, they're helping you come to understand things, and your friends start talking with you about stuff, and you start noticing that your friends who are actually living for Jesus seem like their life is actually different. And some other people are probably faking it. But the ones who really mean it, who are really following him, their life is different. There's got to be a reason their life is different. And all of a sudden, you've seen and heard enough that you're open-minded, that you're, you're at least willing to consider it honestly. I hope that you're willing to consider Christianity honestly. I hope that you're willing to consider Jesus, have an open mind at least to evaluate it. And if you don't yet, that's my challenge to you tonight, to move from a closed mind to it to at least an open mind, at least evaluate it open-mindedly. So Simon's here, and he's seen and heard enough to have an open mind, and so Jesus asks him to do something crazy, and he responds with an open mind and says, all right, man, if you want me to do it, I'm going to let down the nets. We'll see. And so he does. And in verse 6, it says that after they'd done this, they dropped the nets. The two boats come together, they're out there, and they, they drop the net. And it says that they, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets started ripping. 
They're out in the deep water. There it's daytime. This isn't supposed to happen. Like, you're not supposed to catch anything. All the fish are supposed to run. You throw the net out there, they're supposed to run out from under the bottom of the net. And they don't. And all of a sudden, there's so many fish in this net that the nets start ripping. So Simon signals over to the other guys in the boat. They're go- you're going to find their names in a minute. That's James and John. Their dad's name is Zebedee. They, they signal to their, their partners in the other boat. And they, they, they come over and help them. And they've got the two boats there. And they've got two sides of the net. They're trying to drag these fish out, of, in, out in this net about up into this, in these two little boats. And it says they came and they filled both boats so that both begin to sink. I don't like touching fish. Fish are some nasty. They're covered in scales. I don't like touching them. They're slimy. I don't like slimy stuff, all right? I don't like touching fish. I'll do it because I'm a man, but I don't like it, all right? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't enjoy touching fish. So the idea of two boats, like being, like Simon and Jesus are, are in a boat, James and John are in the other boat, and they're just dumping like, like tons and tons of fish into these little, not like thousands of pounds, but you, you got me. They're just filling these little boats with fish to the point that they're literally standing on fish. Imagine a live fish under your foot right now. <laughs> right? Jesus is standing on fish, and he's like, ah, this is awesome. I told you. <laughs> like, I just imagine him having the best time, because he knew what was going to happen. He's Jesus, right? And so they're like filling this boat, and the thing's starting to sink, and Jesus is like, oh, if I rock it too much, we're going to sink. I can walk on water because I'm Jesus. Like, you know, and, 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 and the things, they're just, they're, they're like, we have a hard time catching the ridiculousness of this moment. We're, 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 Simon just brought it to open mind enough to just try it. And then he just gets literally swamped, like more than he could possibly imagine. And just, it's just the absurdity of it, that, that the, the power of this guy, he, Simon would have known. He, like, you knew this was going to, you, you did this. So now he's seen this demon thing, he's seen the mother-in-law thing, he's heard him speak twice, and now finally he's seen this one more thing and it just hits him. And all at once, the same way it does for us, all of a sudden it clicks. And in that, that's what Haley said, it just clicks like a far retreat. And in that moment, you just get it and he gets it. So it's in verse 8, it says that Simon Peter saw this. It says that he, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. It says that all who were with him were astonished to catch a fish that they'd been taken and so were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with him. And he, he, they're just all astonished. And in the astonishment, he just doesn't stand there amazed. Everybody else had been standing around amazed. All the miracles that we've seen so far in, in, in Luke, everybody just sees it and it says that they were amazed. This guy's not amazed at this. He's broken by it because in this moment, he realized this was more than something cool. This was the son of God that he was standing in front of. Like there was a significance here that was beyond this. Like there, there was a difference between him and Jesus. And, and in that difference, he recognized his, his, his sin. They're fishing and, and he's talking about sin. Something that happens when we figure out um, our, our, our standing before Jesus it shows us that we're not worthy to stand before him, that, that in his goodness and in his glory that we're, we are broken, messed up, sinful people. And that's, that's what he says. He's like, I just, I, he's realizing who he is. Like, I, don't, I don't deserve to be here. Just depart from me. I'm a sinful man, and you are clearly too much for me. Came to a point where he recognized that he was a sinner. And he confessed that right there in the boat. And Jesus didn't scurry away. Jesus doesn't run from messy people. He doesn't run from all your sin. He's not intimidated by it. He's not scared of it. He doesn't run from it. Never has and never will. And he doesn't run from Simon in the boat, even though he could. 
doesn't. Simon says, I'm a sinful man. And he looks down at him and Jesus says to Simon, hey, don't worry. Don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to be catching men. You're going to be catching people. He says, from now, from now on, first off, from now on. What he's saying, like, there was, a, there was a you that you were about some things and, and there was something to you and you were a fisherman and you did whatever and you had people over for lunch after church and that's fine. But from now on, there's going to be something different. Like this moment where it clicked for you and you figured out like who I am and like there's something real here. Like things are going to be different now. From now on signals a change. Simon's life was going to completely and radically change. He's going to get renamed. He's going to become Peter. Like everything about this guy is going to be completely and radically changed in this moment. This is the beginning of a story. Jesus says, this was your story. This was who you were. Yeah, you were sinful, but from now on, come with me. I'm going to make you not a fisher of slimy little fish. I'm going to make you one who reaches out for people, who tries to capture the hearts and minds of people, to bring them in, not to their destruction, but to their good. And Simon was going to become one who brought people to the Savior, brought people to the one who could set them free. It's like, you're going to be a fisher of men. That's what he does for us. That Jesus hears us say, when we get to a point where we, we figured out that, yeah, you're a mess, you are. Your stuff's kind of gross, and you've done a whole bunch of stuff. And I'm not intimidated by your stuff. From now on, once you get it, once it clicks, once you become a Christian, once you trust Jesus with your life, from now on, there's going to be a grand story that you've been invited into. Verse 11, it says, when they finally got their overloaded sinking boats up to land, uh, it says that they just left them there. They sell these fish. Like, this is their, their income. This is their livelihood, right? And they just leave it there. It's the biggest catch you could ever imagine, and they just walk off. It says they, they, they left everything, and they followed him. James and John left their dad sitting there in the boat, two boatfuls of fish, and they're like, hey, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're following him. And they just left. They left their whole way of life, and they literally, physically started following after Jesus, and they entered into a grand story. That was beyond what they could have imagined. They had a moment where everything changed. And it was just the beginning. He said, from now on, you're going to be fishers of men. From now on, you're going to be a part of something bigger and more significant than you ever could have been a part of on your, on your own. And it's the same thing he says to us. You and I are called to follow and to fish. We're called to do the same thing they're called to do. We're called to drop what we were doing before we met Jesus. Once we come to know Jesus, we're supposed to drop what was going on before, follow him, and keep fishing. Continuing to tell more people about what we've come to know. See, the moment that, that, that they had right here, this moment in Luke chapter 5, was just the beginning of their story. But everything changed in that moment. And Christians, your story began however it began. If it began at Far Retreat or Disciple Now or when you were seven years old at VBS, however your story began is how it began. But that's only the beginning of your story. God has invited you into something in, more grand, more powerful, more eternal, more significant than you can possibly imagine. If you view your salvation as a moment, listen to me. If you view your salvation as a moment, like I became a Christian when I was nine, and I prayed a prayer that somebody led me through, and then I was baptized, maybe, and that was it. 
and there was no following, and there's no fishing. That's not the beginning of a story. That's a false start. That's, see, when we come to know Jesus, when we truly know Jesus, it makes a difference. It changes things. And if you became a Christian when you were seven years old and, and did nothing with it, and you were just anemic, you were just doing nothing to a certain point, maybe, maybe in middle school or maybe like right now, you're, you're saying, I, I really am a Christian. I'm just not doing anything with it. Then start. You've been invited into something huge. You weren't invited to a beginning that has no follow-up. You were invited to a beginning that's just the beginning, the beginning of something incredible. Your life, your relationship, your life with Jesus should be about the gospel, should have significance, should be, should be a loving relationship with the God of the universe. If that doesn't describe your life, then you're not living the story. I don't care if you had a beginning. You're called to live the story. Are you following and fishing, or did you just have a beginning? I'm going to pray for you, and our band's going to come back up. If you would, just, just bow your head and close your eyes there just for a second. I just want you to think with me just for a minute, uh, and, and try not to bother anybody. Don't talk to anybody. I just, want, I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions just for you to evaluate in your own head without being distracted. One, have you had that beginning? Has there been a moment, has there been a time when you really did believe that Jesus was who he said he was and that his, his act on the cross made it possible for you to be forgiven? Have you ever trusted Jesus with your life? If not, that's okay. I just want you to, I, I want you to be aware of that and be honest about that. And two things about that. One, I just want to challenge you to have an open mind about it. If you haven't trusted Jesus yet, would you just consider it with an open mind? Maybe if you haven't had that moment, you've never trusted Jesus, and, and there's, there's been consistently this voice in the back of your head, this tugging every time that you come near here or the gospel or your Bible or whatever, where, where you feel like God has been tugging on you. And maybe you're coming to a point tonight where Jesus feels real and you're ready to follow him tonight, then you can do that. You can trust Jesus with your, with your life right where you sit. You can have a conversation with Jesus right now. And you can walk out of here a Christian. You can walk out of here forgiven. If you have questions about that, you can ask the friends who brought you or your small group leaders, you, whatever. But if you are a Christian and you have had this moment, this, 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 have you, there, there's been a time where you knew that you knew Jesus. And it was just that. It was just the beginning. And there was no follow-up. There was no story. There was no follow and fish. And that's not a very good story. God's invited you into a relationship with him. Are you pursuing a relationship with Jesus or did you just want to have a box checked? I want to tell you, man, it, I, I lived that way a long time. I, I accepted Christ when I was eight, did nothing with it until I was 16 years old. Once I did, once I began to pursue him, once I drew near to him, he drew near to me. And my life since then has been um, just radically, radically different. If you've had a beginning but have no follow-up, then tonight's the night you need to start following him. You need to pursue a relationship with the God that you say you believe in. I'm going to pray for you and our band's going to lead us. Father, we love you. Most of us love you. A lot of us have, uh, a lot of us claim you. 
that less of us follow you. Convict those of us who aren't following well. Draw those of us who have never followed to begin with. Show us mercy and grace and help us to follow well. Seriously, I pray.